We're continuing to read from Genesis chapter 4 this morning. We're reading in this horribly familiar story of Cain and Abel. Cain has discovered that God knows. We saw that last week. He thought maybe he'd hidden it, thought maybe he'd kept it from God, but the Lord saw it all. So now we find that Cain discovering the cost of his sin. As we look here in Genesis chapter 4, we'll start with verse 10. Most of us, before we make a purchase, we want to know the cost, especially if it's you know, something big like a house or a car. We're not just going to walk in there with a blank check and say, you just fill out whatever amount you want and we'll pay it. No, we want to know what that cost is. First of all, we want to know if we can afford it and maybe more than what we can actually pay. And secondly, we want to know if it's worth it. Is the price really worth what we're receiving in return? Well, Cain should have checked the price tag. His impulsive decision to kill his brother costs him more than he could ever begin to imagine. And the penalty that Cain receives teaches us something that all of us need to understand about the cost of our sin. Again, we're going to pick up the story here in Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. There's something we need to understand. Sin always costs far more than we think. First of all, we need to understand that we're not going to be able to hide our sin from God. Cain is definitely his father's son when it comes to temptation and sin. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, no pun intended. First, Cain gave in to temptation without really thinking it through. How was murdering his brother going to somehow change the way God would react to Cain's offering. Remember, that's the whole reason this thing started. Cain and his brother Abel brought an offering to God. God accepted Abel's, but he didn't accept Cain's. And we've seen, as we've read through this passage over the last several weeks, that it had nothing to do with the sacrifice itself. It had everything to do with Cain's heart and Abel's heart. Abel had come to worship. Cain just came to go through the motions. We've seen all of that over these last few weeks. Well, Cain gets angry and strikes out and kills his brother. How is that going to fix anything? How is that somehow all of a sudden going to make his offering acceptable to God? He didn't think that through. It wasn't going to help anything. In fact, it was going to make things far worse. Second, like his father Adam, Cain attempted to deny his sin. Or at least to excuse it. You'll remember when Adam was confronted with his sin, he tries to blame it on Eve, and then he tries to blame it on God. 
Well, Cain does the same thing. When he's confronted by God with his sin, Cain offers this excuse. Am I my brother's keeper? How lame is that? He apparently thought that he could somehow either hide his sin from God or at least excuse his sin. Same way that Adam and Eve thought that somehow hiding from God would hide their sin against the Lord. Well, it doesn't work any better for Junior than it did for Mom and Dad. Now, as we saw last week, God gives Cain an opportunity to confess his sin. God knew what had happened, but he, but he goes to, to Cain and he asks him, Where's your brother Abel? And I believe that God was giving Cain an opportunity to confess what he had done. And I believe that had he come in repentance to the Lord, God would have forgiven him. But that's not what Cain does. He tries to deny it. He tries to excuse it. He tries to whitewash over it. And so God confronts him. Cain hasn't hidden anything. In the verse we read a minute ago, verse 10, the Lord said, What have you done? Listen. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Cain was not hiding anything from God. His brother's death was obvious. I mean, for one thing, it didn't take very long for God to count noses. Okay, we've got Adam, we've got Eve, we've got Cain. Somebody's missing here. I mean, it's kind of obvious what had happened. But more than just obvious, God had seen everything. He still does. There is nothing that God does not see. And that's a good thing. Psalm 116.15 tells us, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. You see, here's the thing. God sees our sin. He knows what we have done. We're not hiding anything from the Lord. He also sees the sins that are committed against us. He doesn't, doesn't miss any of those either. Those times when we are wronged, those times when we are the one who have been hurt, in those times sometimes we feel very, very alone, like no one cares, like no one knows what I've had to face. But we are not alone. God knows. He knew about Cain's murder of his brother Abel. And as horrifically bad as that situation was, it foreshadows something wonderful that's described in the New Testament. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 24, the Bible says to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What's the Bible telling us here? Abel's blood gave testimony to the sin of his brother. And it sets the stage for every sin to come after it. Jesus' blood speaks a better word. Cain's sin foretells 
all of the evil that men and women will commit against each other. Jesus' blood, shed at Calvary, speaks the message of God's infinite love. Abel's blood speaks to the depth of our hatred for one another. Jesus' blood speaks to the depth of God's love for us. Abel's blood speaks to the power of evil. Jesus' blood speaks to the power of God's amazing grace. God knows our sin. He knows the sins that we have committed. We're not hiding anything from Him. He also knows the sins that have been committed against us. We don't stand alone against evil in this world. And Jesus' blood provides the answer to it all. Jesus' blood provides the forgiveness that only God can give. I play peekaboo with my granddaughter, Savannah. Uh, This game basically consists of her covering her eyes, and then I'm supposed to say, where's Savannah? Where'd she go? I know she was just right here a minute ago. What happened to her? At which point she takes her hands away from her eyes, and she just starts cackling and laughing as I say, there's Savannah. I found her. There she is. And I think she's laughing at the fact that it's so easy to hide from granddad. All I got to do is put my hands over her eyes and he doesn't know where I am. He must really be old. That's about what we're like when we try to hide our sin from God. Covering our eyes, thinking, well, he won't see me. Doesn't work. John puts it this way in his letter we call 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. He says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In other words, we don't hide our sin from anybody. We don't hide it from God. He knows exactly what we've done. He knows everything. Fact is, we don't hide it from anybody else either. They know we're not perfect. They know it really well. The only one we're fooling is ourselves. But fortunately, God doesn't leave it there with this truth that we cannot hide our sin. We can't cover it over. We're not fooling anybody. But the very next verse there in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I think I like what Jesus says better than what Cain says. What about you? (laughs) Forgiving and cleansing my sin sounds much better than trying to hide it, trying to bury it deep, trying to hang on to it and drag it along, hoping nobody will see. Hiding our sin doesn't work. And Cain would find out why. Because we need to understand the cost of our sin. Cain's brother was dead. I mean, there's an obvious cost to what Cain did. He took Abel's life. And in Cain's mind, somehow this is going to solve this 
sacrifice problem. Now that Abel isn't here to get in the way, God will accept my sacrifice, right? Well, not even close. Killing Abel did nothing to fix the problem of Cain's offering. See, that's something we need to understand. When we face temptation, there is this thought that this is going to fix something. That somehow my life is going to be better if I take this detour from God's command. That somehow what God is blessing me with is less than what I can have if I go over there. On Wednesday nights we've been reading the parable of the prodigal son. And one of the things that we have seen over and over is the mistake that the prodigal makes in thinking that the far country has something better than his father's house. Well, that's exactly what temptation says to us. It says, hey, come on over here. I got something way better for you. That's not what Cain found. He didn't find something better. In fact, he found something far, far worse. Here's how God describes it to him in verse 11. Now you are under a curse, driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Now on the surface here, this doesn't really sound like it meets what Cain did. I mean, Cain killed somebody. And so the result of that is he can't be a farmer anymore? Where's the justice in that? Well, it's because you need to understand what God's saying to him. Cain's sin brings a harsh reality. The one thing that he had prized most was being taken away from him. Now remember back to the first of this passage where we started reading. Abel brings the very best of his flock. Because he wants to give thanks to God. Because he realized God has given him everything that he has. Cain, on the other hand, brings his leftovers. Because he's keeping the good stuff back for himself. Because he thinks, hey, these crops are my crops. And now, this prized possession, what Cain had been desperately trying to hang on to, was being taken away from him. No longer would he be able to work the field. So much in this story parallels what happens to Adam and Eve. You'll remember when God confronts Adam and Eve with their sin, and he says to Adam, you know, this land that you've enjoyed working, that has been so fruitful for you, now it is going to be a toil. You're going to have to work and sweat. And you'll never receive what you once had. Well, here we then move to chapter 4. Same thing happens. Cain is told, you're not going to be able to work the ground anymore. The land would no longer bring him his precious harvest that he was so desperate to hang on to. But it didn't stop 
with Cain's inability to grow any grain, there was something far worse. His relationships were broken. He would wander the earth. Or or put another way, nobody is going to want a murderer living next door. Not too hard to figure out why. Now, I've kind of made a few jokes along the way as we've read through this passage about there being Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. We actually don't know how many people were alive at that time. There probably were many more. Uh, Remember, God gave Adam and Eve the the command to populate the land, and, and they no doubt did that. Their land probably had grown fairly large by this time. We don't know exactly how old Cain and Abel were. They may have been on into adulthood. The issue being here that there were probably several families scattered about. But all of them, every single person alive in the world at this time, was related to Abel. And no one would want the man who murdered their uncle living anywhere near them. My guess is Cain didn't think that through. When he reached this horrible decision to kill his brother, he probably never thought about what that was going to mean. And that's one of the problems with temptation and sin. If we just stopped and thought about it, we'd realize what a terrible decision it is. High school is fun. Once. (laughs) I'm really glad that we're not forced to... Relive our teenage years over and over again. I don't think I would survive. Because I look back at some of the decisions I made in high school and I wondered, what was I thinking when I did that? For example, creating a mudslide on a hill and then sliding down on it on a cardboard box seemed like a really great idea at the time. Until you start to think, well, mud is dirt, and dirt has rocks in it. Sometimes big rocks in it. Cardboard, on the other hand, is paper. And when paper gets wet in mud, it offers zero protection against the rocks that are in the dirt. That would have been a great thing to think about before I started sliding down the hill. If we would stop and think, when we face those temptations to take a little detour from God's command, because it looks so good, it looks like, hey, over there, 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 there's something really great. Something that has to be better than what I have right now in God's will. If we just even think about what that sounds like, we would realize there's nothing greater than what we have in the center of God's will. The things of God are far better than anything that the world might offer to us. And if you take a close look at it, anything that you gain outside of the will of God is not gain at all. You'll find exactly the same thing that Cain found. 
He kills his brother and winds up with no family, no food, and no home. But even all of that's not the worst of it. The worst of all was he didn't gain the thing that he wanted most. Again, remember back to where this all started. Cain is mad because God did not accept his offering. Which if you read into what that means, what Cain wanted most was for God to accept him. And now his sin has severed his relationship with God. Had he thought it true, had he thought what it would mean, and not just killing his brother, that's, that's really obvious that that's not going to work out right. But back when he was preparing his offering, when he was thinking, well, you know, I'll just give God these leftovers. God doesn't really deserve any more than that. And that probably wasn't the way that he said it, but that's essentially what he was saying. If he had thought that through, he would have realized what a terrible mistake that was. And we will realize the same thing. The cost of sin is deep. Which is why the price that Jesus paid on the cross was deeper still. Realize the cost of sin. Because then you'll realize the depth of our Savior's love for us. Heavenly Father, help us this morning not to make the mistake that Cain did. This mistake goes back before he was considering taking the life of his brother. That's an obvious issue. We can see that one clearly. But Lord, this goes back to when he was considering his offering to you. Thinking that somehow you deserve less than his very best. Lord, help us to think that through. (laughs) Because we're tempted with exactly the same thing. And our sin will have the same results. The cost will be far, far greater than we could ever begin to imagine. Help us see that, Lord. Help us see that clearly. Because when we see the cost of our sin, we'll see something else. We'll see the depth of your love. That you would give your only begotten Son. That our sin might be forgiven. We pray that would be very clear this morning. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your life today. Maybe you're here, and for the first time, the cost of your sin has hit you like a freight train. Because you've realized, I can't pay this back. You may be thinking that right now. You may be thinking, Pastor, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand the baggage I'm carrying. You don't know what's in my past. God does. God does. I don't. You're right. But God does. You can't hide it from Him. You haven't hidden it from Him. That's a terrifying thought. 
were it not for what comes next in the Bible. Were it not for the fact that God says, if you will confess your sin, I am faithful and just and will forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Think about that. All that weight that you're carrying today. Jesus has already paid for it in full. The full cost. And when you understand the cost of your sin, you realize just how great a debt our Savior paid for us. And suddenly this morning you're saying, well, if that's true, if there's a way I can get rid of this guilt, I can get rid of this shame, tell me what it is. It's Jesus. That's what it is. By personally receiving Him as your Lord and Savior, by confessing your sin to Him, recognizing your need, by accepting what He's done on the cross for you, He's paid it all. And we want to share that with you this morning. In just a moment, we'll be singing together. I'll be up here at the front of the auditorium. I invite you to come meet me here. Now, I'll show you in God's Word how you can know that kind of love, that kind of forgiveness, that kind of grace in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, you know, I understand it's still pandemic season and there's still stuff going on and, and maybe you're not comfortable with doing that face-to-face. That's okay. We've prepared another way uh, to do this. There before you in the P-Rack, there's a card. It says connection card. Just take one of those and give me a way to contact you. Uh, Maybe it's your address, your phone number, your uh, email address, whatever you feel comfortable uh, giving. And then just write on the card, I want to know God's forgiveness in my life. How do I do that? Or there's even a little box there. I want to know how to follow Jesus. Check that box. And as you leave this morning, drop it in one of the baskets that are by the exit doors. I'll be in contact with you this week to share with you how you can know this great love. Our Savior's love for you. If you're watching us online, there's a way that you can do that as well. We have a digital version of that very same card. It's there on our website, nationalheights.org. The link is hello. You'll see that link in our Facebook feed if you're watching us there. Or if you're watching us on our website, it's just below where the video appears. Just follow that link. You'll see the form there. Give us a way to contact you and indicate, again, I want to follow Jesus. You can check the box right there. We'll be in contact with you to let you know how you can know this great love too. Maybe there's another way that that God's leading you. Perhaps you're looking for a church home. We'd love to tell you about how you can be a part of what God's doing here at National Heights. Maybe there's a prayer need that you have. uh, uh, Something going on in your life, something going on in your family's life that you just really would appreciate some fellow believers praying with you about. Uh, On the reverse side of that connection card that's here, it's at the very bottom of the digital card, there's a place for you to indicate a prayer request. Just, Just type it out, write it down. And again, we'll be glad to be praying with you during this week to come. Whatever it is that God is leading in your life today, you listen. Responding to His call as we stand together, as we sing.